Well, again, you can't say it enough on today, but happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Today, truly, we do honor and celebrate you for the love that you have given, for the guidance you've given, for the way that you have shown Jesus to us. And so uh, we say thank you. Thank you to my mom, who uh, I love. Thank you to my wife for the mom that you are. And I pray our girls become more like you every day. I know you're not making eye contact with me, but that's all right. And uh, just a huge thank you to all the moms here. So I know we prayed for them twice. We're going to pray for them one more time. Actually, probably two, three, maybe even five more times uh, when I look at this service. But if your mom is here today, um, we've done this before, I want you to go ahead and, and put your hand on her as we pray. Now, if your mom is not here with you today, you can go ahead and uh, put your hand on your heart. I will extend my long arm uh, to you, mom, and, and we're just going uh, to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the times it was mom who understood our tears, mom who comforted us in our disappointments, mom who, uh, who calmed our fears. We thank you for the times with mom that we laughed and played, for the times that our mothers helped us dream and helped us along life's way. We thank you, Lord, that uh, moms gave confidence to us and for the steadfast love that they've shown. And Lord, we really thank you for the, the words of Jesus that they spoke to us, how they showed us what it means to, to follow you and to know you. So Lord, today, bless our mom. Care for her, give her strength, give her joy, give her wisdom, give her love. And we all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today continues where we left off last week in uh, John chapter 14. This is kind of the continuation of that speech that Jesus was given, that final discourse. Last week we ended with the assurance from Jesus that we would do greater things or really that the work that he had begun would not end in his death or in his ascension, but would continue through you and I to his glory. And at the beginning of chapter 14, whether Jesus told us himself that he would prepare a place for us, whether that he was telling us that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that to see him, to know him, was to see the Father, to know the Father. We talked about how everything comes in a relationship, a deep and real relationship with Jesus. He was giving and sharing to us his heart, that when we get caught up with the busyness, with the distractions, and we're trying on our own to satisfy our troubled heart, the answer is found in Jesus in a relationship with him the faith in him, to trust in his truth, that we're loved, that we are forgiven, and to receive the life that he gives each one of us. How he himself has ensured us that there is no separation from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything we are looking for, that thing that fills us, makes us whole, is found only in Jesus. And this week, he's continuing with relationship. He's discussing how it will continue and how it happens by way of the Holy Spirit. And I know we don't talk about the Holy Spirit all too often except on Pentecost, but today we're going to dive in just a little bit about what is the Holy, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And we hear what we need from Jesus about the Holy Spirit and the continued relationship with God himself that we have in the Spirit. 
Today, Jesus shows us the heart of the spirit that he puts in each one of us. So as we go back into that conversation again around the table with Jesus and the disciples, we remember the heart of the Lord and that he desires relationship with us and speaks to us of his love and his relationship that comes from the Holy Spirit. So this is John chapter 14. Again, we're continuing where we left off last week. If you got your Bibles, you can pull them right back out. Otherwise, the text is always going to be on the screen. This is verses 15 through 17. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus had spent a ministry of loving those who were considered unclean, untouchable, the least of these, the casts off, the demon-possessed, children, which when I make the notes now, I'm realizing I should not have done demon-possessed and then children immediately following, so I apologize for that. But the disciples, both women and men, who would be considered by the world as just nobodies and sinners... And then just a moment ago, the chapter before, he even got down on his own hands and knees and washed these disciples' feet. He has demonstrated his love for the world, for the Father, so much so that he will even go to the cross to die because of his love for us. And here he tells his disciples, and he tells each one of us, because remember, these words are for us as well. They're not words that are removed from us and have nothing to do with, but words for our heart what our loving response should be. To respond to him in love is to keep his commandments, specifically the ones that he spoke about, to put their faith in God the Father and to trust in him and to follow the pattern of love that he has established whilst he was amongst them. Keeping the commandments of Jesus, yeah, it speaks to the personal morality and the way that we live, And you can't read the New Testament. You can't read the words of Jesus and think that it doesn't. But it's not just about living a certain way because maybe we think, well, God wants us to be good all the time. He doesn't want us to have fun or enjoy ourselves or or really this is just about his control over us. It's It's not about being perfect. It's not about not being able to be real with God and admit our failures and our struggles and not come to him. This emphasis that Jesus is saying of, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's emphasizing the love. Love one another the way that I have loved you, the way he gives it. To keep his commands is to listen to what he has said to each one of us and to respond appropriately, to follow the example that he has set for us beginning with a love for him that then flows into loving others. But none of that is separate from the faith. It goes together. When the young lawyer came up and said, what are the commandments? What do I have to do? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not an option. This is the call. Love. The response is love. This is the change that takes place in us. In this final discourse, this final conversation, Jesus is going to say this like five or six times. Love one another. Keep my commands. Be known by your love. Wash one another's feet. Remain in me. Remain in my love. Lay down your life for one another. 
It's easy when we think about loving Jesus in just a, a sentimental or emotional way. And that's wonderful when we have that passion for Jesus. But the love that he is showing us here is a love of sacrifice. A love of dying to self so that we can live in him. And when we realize that, when we don't ignore that, and we take that truthful look at ourselves, we know, we know. This isn't the type of love we want to be giving. That's why we pull up this confession and we have that moment. From the beginning, we know that we have been selfish in our love. That our thoughts don't go to love first. That our words don't always respond in love. That the things we do are not always marked by love. Not to mention the things that we don't do. So we hear this all about peace. We hear all about this love of Jesus for us. And we ask, how are we ever going to be able to do this? How could we love the way you are commanding us to if you're gone, if you're not with us, if you're not showing us? And will you pull the verse back up, Chanel, the first one that we looked at? Because Jesus himself in love is going to ask the Father to give you another advocate. The word advocate is the Greek word parakletos. It's the idea that someone is going to be called to help someone else. Maybe an advisor, a defender, a mediator, an intercessor. You know, the King James Version translated that word advocate comforter. The idea of someone who is going to come and who is going to help you, who is going to strengthen you, someone who will console you, this is the idea of the Spirit that Jesus is leading us to see the truth of who the Spirit is. You want to know how you will ever be able to love because the Spirit will help you. You want to know how you could ever be truly real before God and come as you are. The Spirit will comfort you and strengthen you, will console you when you grieve. The Spirit will intercede for you and give you the words to speak when you don't even know what to say or how to pray or how to come to God. Jesus calls the Spirit another advocate, indicating that He, your advocate, has been there already, and now the Spirit will come to you as well. To have seen Jesus at work, is to anticipate the spirit that lives now inside of you. Not a new spirit, not something that you have never seen or heard of, but the same. It's why we say in the Nicene Creed, right, being of one substance, being the same with the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified. It's God, it's Christ Jesus who lives in you. That spirit here is the spirit of truth. Jesus, who just stood up and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we question what is truth, like Pilate does, Jesus says, everyone who belongs to the truth knows my voice. You have the truth in a time where no one will agree on what is true and what is real. And it's not far from you. It's here, inside of you, given by God himself. The Spirit has revealed himself in the very word of God, the truth 
of who God is, what God has done. So much so that you cannot say, we are being lied to here. They are twisting this. There is some sort of secret knowledge, insider claims here. It is yours, given to you. Not to be dusted off and read when you want, but to be spoken to your hearts so that you would know. It's why Jesus tells the disciples that they know the Spirit. The world doesn't because it doesn't see Him nor know Him, but they will know the Spirit because to know is to be in relationship. The Spirit abides in you, is with you. You might be saying, dude, why do you keep talking about this? Why is this such a big deal? Because this is why Jesus says you don't need to worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or even worry about tomorrow. He's saying these words that I have for you are not some temporary fix about should I do this or should I do that? It's the real questions that he's after. He's coming for your heart. Those questions that keep you up at night. Who am I? He answers and says, you are mine. You are my child who I have died for and redeemed by name. That question of what am I supposed to do in this life? He says love. That question of, well, am I truly loved God? Am I seen? Am I known? Do you even know me amongst all these billions of people on this planet? What possible difference could I make? And he says, know my love and share my love. The shepherd is seeking you. He's coming after you, speaking words to you, and promising you right there in the power of baptism that I am in you. We are not separated. We are one. You are never far from me. I am yours. It's why he says in verse 18, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world won't see me anymore, but you will. And because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Anyone who has ever been alone, felt fear, felt small and overwhelmed, hear this. He comes to you. He's not going to wave his hands and solve all your problems. He may not cure your sickness. He may not look down and be like, you know what? You really want to be close to me? Live a perfect life. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to bless you with prosperity and riches. The promise is more than that. The promise is you will never be alone. And you will have something. You will have me. And when you hunger and you thirst, you will know deep inside of you that I bring what you need. I bring you peace. Is that not worth everything? Is that not why you have come? To experience and to know peace that he alone can give? Do you know how much better that is than trying to numb the pain and all the noise in your life? Look at what that does to us when we try to numb it first. It doesn't fix anything. 
It just brings more guilt and shame and, and creates this insatiableness and hole inside of us that demands more. What did Taylor Swift say? That's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. It just doesn't work that way. I believe the correct line, Stefan, is bullet holes. I know I messed it up, but I rushed it. But is it not better to be filled? Do you not desire to be covered in love, to be at peace? On that day, he says, on that day, whether you be broken or lost, you will know because you have been found. I will never stop looking for you and coming after you, he says, and I will gather you in my arm, and so much so that because I live, I will give you life. In spite of suffering and sickness and setbacks, the Father is in you, and I am in you, and you are loved. And whether through the word or through a friend or through prayer or even silence, you will know God. That is, you will be in relationship with him forever. You will know to be loved. You will know how it is to be held. You will be known and covered in peace. Some way or another, the Lord is there. Maybe not how we want it in that moment, but we will look back and know I was never alone. Even in the darkest of times, he was there and with me. When I had wandered off, when I had got lost, he was there because he does not leave you on your own ever. The disciples were afraid of that. When Jesus leaves, it's all over. This is just getting started and now it's over? Jesus is saying this is the beginning. This is just getting started. And you're going to learn about love and you're going to experience love. And maybe that will come through sacrifice and challenges you have me and you will grow in me and you will trust in me and the contentment and the peace and the connectiveness that truly matters in this life will be yours and even though those disciples were martyred and they suffered and they died and they never got their prosperity their riches they never got any of that they weren't left alone like an orphan, but they were drawn close. They had their provider, they had their defender. They learned that the peace in their heart and the confidence and the hope that is in Jesus Christ is worth more than anything. To be united, to be marked, to know the Father, to know his love. That is what is needed. And that is what we have. That is why he has sent his spirit so that you would know that you would experience and that you would share it. Everything flows from the relationship you have with your Lord. So let that darkness come. Let the pain come. Let it all come. And you can stare it right down and say, I speak the name of Jesus. I have Jesus. He is mine. What more do I need? Jesus.